0: morning everyone, Woo. kicking off the new year right and in uh, so much such fashion, I got about 37 minutes to the next three hours. So we're going to fit that somewhere, that's going to be about the range, you know. We, so this year the word that the Lord gave me was by faith, uh, by faith, everything that we do just by faith. I don't understand it, well it's by faith, you're not going to understand it because there's a difference, there's a gap. If I got to understand everything, it's probably not by faith. And I want to give you some medicine for that today so that you can kind of get a a steroid shot on how to get there. Uh, Maybe more like an adrenaline shot for this year. But in Galatians 2.20, the word that came that kind of hit through all this uh, seeking Him about the the year is uh, Galatians 2.20. And Paul writes as an apostle to the church of Galatia, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live. And, it, and it, when, when, when the scripture writes, when, when the Holy Spirit pins something through the scriptures, it's DNA into our blood. It's a call for us to let go of some things, to receive some things. To recall, to, to let go of old things, nature things, to embrace spirit things. And there's always a conflict, there's always adversity, because again, this is a spiritual war. We wrestle not with flesh and blood but with spiritual battles. I have been crucified with Christ. Now, obviously, Paul was not dead, and he had not gone to any cross. I have been crucified with Christ, meaning my flesh, my desires, my own thoughts, my, emotions, my uh, what? here's what I think it ought to be. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live. But the life I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of Man, who loved me and delivered himself up for me, gave his life for me, died for me, because of what he did, I'm crucified from my old thinking, my old ways, my pre-salvation ways, my pre-Jesus ways, all the stuff that we all drag into salvation, into our life with Christ. I lay that down so that I can find what the word of God says to me about how I, as as a Christian, a Christ follower, should live out every decision, every moment, of my life. And when I get off track, the plumb line, God brings me back to the plumb line of his word. Probably a heavy word, but let me just tell you, God will begin to filter that into your life. And it's not just a word for one year. It's a, it's a word that begins for years to come. And so I don't know if you've, we don't, my, my household does not watch regular TV, like public side, whatever public TV. We were on vacation. We watched about one series of commercials and it was the most horrific, life-sucking, three and a half minutes of our life. We decided to turn it off right then, and we'll just watch something we can control through, something we choose on. Uh, it's a spiritual war, guys. And if you don't believe it, let me just tell you, listen to what's going on in culture, in media, what's being pushed upon you. It's a spiritual war. But we, we don't war with people. So by faith, hey, by the way, if some of these things are like, man, I really want to know more, Thrive Leadership School is kicking off in a few weeks, and I want to invite you, even if you didn't go the first semester, this can be your first semester, you can jump in at any time. So I want to, I want to, I want to encourage you to do that, would you pray into that, it's 4.50 for the semester, 16 weeks, we'll start on January 17th, but that's about all the time I got to deliver for that one. So I want to talk to you about the anointing, cultivating the anointing. You heard me say this word as I was praying over others, the anointing. And I don't know if you know much about it, and I don't know how, much, how well I can explain it in this time that we have, but it's there's something about... You being able to do things beyond your own natural natural abilities, your own talents, your own skills—you all of a sudden get creativity that you'd other you otherwise didn't have before. It's, it's there's something about the anointing and the presence of God. It just gives you uh, uh, the source, the answer for a sol- the solution for a situation, the, the direction to go, uh, 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 the, the, the answer that you need for whatever the problem or the issue or the direction that God would have to take you or your family, your business into a space. There's something about it, something you don't feel equipped for it, but all of a sudden God gives you this inner, that's how you do it. And you're confident to move forward in it. It's just the anointing and the the presence of God. And I'm telling you, as you grow and you grow in the Lord, you become more and almost completely dependent upon it. And I'm not talking about salvation, that's a free gift. I'm talking about on my time here on earth, how much of the presence of God, how much of his anointing, his grace, his favor, do I actually want on my life. And today I'm telling you, you can cultivate that in your life as choice, as you choose to by faith it. Whatever it is, by faith it. And it's not about being a pastor because God can give you the anointing to be a father, to be a husband, to be a school teacher, to be a a parent of any kind, to be a spiritual leader. Yes, Uh, to be a businessman, God can give you the anointing to be able to do things in the realm that he's called you to or that you're in, whether you knew he called you to it or not. And it's going to be for his glory and your benefit, his glory and the benefit of others through you. This is called the anointing. 1 John 2.20 says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. You have an anointing. This word is actually, in Greek, is tel. It literally means to smear to smear the presence of God all over you. And the Old Testament's before Aaron could go, the, the, the priest could go into the holy place, entering towards the most holy place where, where God's presence dwelt upon the Ark of the Covenant. He would have to be smeared with oil to be able to walk in. And the anointing is this smearing of the presence of God on your life to do whatever it is that he has called you into. It's to give you abilities you wouldn't otherwise have. 1 John 2, 27 says the anointing you received from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you. Meaning there's things that he's going to call you into that only he can teach you how to do. He needs to have your full attention so that he can give you the vision and the clarity, the know-how through the anointing that he has reserved from you because you have the anointing. You may have this much anointing, you may have a vial of anointing, you may have one cc of anointing, or you may have a bucket of anointing, but you have anointing, and you can go from the vial to the bucket. What I'm t- what about to say, let me just give you this, 1 John two twenty seven. but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, keyword remain in him. A lot of times we get anointing, we get ideas, we get confident, we think we've got it from here, we're good God, Uh, I'll check back with you when I need you again and we forget to remain in him and then we get out here and all hell breaks loose. And I don't mean all hell breaks loose. All hell breaks loose without the answer, without the ability to cope, without the ability to deal with it, without knowing spiritually what to do. All hell's going to break loose even with the anointing, but you're going to know what to do, know how to walk through it, and know how to apply his word, his truth in the midst of it because he's teaching you all things because of the anointing. I'm, I'm, I'm excited that today is the first of January. But what I'm about to say right here may not sound correct. It may sound um, prideful, arrogant, but it's not. Because like I can do some stuff. Like I can build. I, I can lead. I can I can I can find new ways to make money. Like I can do some stuff. But that's different. That that actually is is part of the problem and can be part of the problem because for some people, man, all they have is God. <laughs> they got no skills, no gifting, you know, no nothing, they can't do it. talent. But for some of us, We live in such a way that we can do and pull off anything without the presence of God. Oh, some of you know what I'm talking about because easily we can get there. And this means it's not about how good you are, how much you think you know. It's about remaining in him. I'm going after it, but I'm going to remain in him. Ezekiel 44, 10 and 11 says, And the Levites who went far from me, when when Israel went astray, who strayed away from me after their idols. These are priests of God, the Levites. They strayed away for their idols. They shall bear their iniquity. Listen, they they ran from the presence of God and they started doing other things. Oh, they're going to bear their iniquity of their decisions. Yet, they shall be ministers in my sanctuary. So they're not praying, not seeking my face. They're not even following my statutes. They're not carrying the anointing. Yet, they can still carry it for babies. They can still preach for, on Sunday somewhere. They can still pour coffee. They can still greet you at the door. They can still do the tasks and the duties, but they don't have the anointing. Ezekiel 44, 13 and 14 says, and they shall come near me. Sorry, let me just finish that up. As, the, as gatekeepers of the house, verse, verse 11, and ministers of the house, they shall slay the burnt offering and the sacrifice for the people. And they shall stand before them or to, min- to minister to them. It's like, they do all these things without the anointing. So he's, they're standing before the people and just ministering to the people. Here's the catch. Ezekiel forty four thirteen 13 and 14, and they shall not come near me. So you have the ability to move others, convince others, work others, but you don't, you're not working, you're not moving God. There's a difference. But you aren't moving God or getting near him. And I wonder how many times, how many things we've leaned on in our own ability, Oh, I can do this. No no problem. I'm busy. I don't need to spend time with the Lord. Oh, no, I don't need to do that Lord, the Lord's way. I'll do it my own way, and I think it'll, it'll be a better outcome. Nor into the most holy place. Oh, to minister to me as a priest, nor come to me, nor Come near any of my holy things. Like, you don't even get, near, get to get near to God. you can serve in his house, but he ain't on you, and he ain't moved by you you just wondering when you're going to need him. You can do all. You can touch all his holy things, do his holy duties, as Nacho Libre would say. But you don't get to get into the most holy place. But they shall bear their shame and their abominations. What? Watch that word which they have committed. Nevertheless, I will make them keep charge of the temple for all its work and for all that has been done. Oh, he still gets to preach on Sunday, still gets to play the instruments and sing, still gets to gets to be a parent, a business owner, still gets to do all of these things, these duties, but without the anointing. I'm talking to you about cultivating an anointing for 2023 and beyond. And I want to give you some avenues for cultivating the anointing, and then we're going to worship a little bit. And in Exodus 28, God is giving us, he's teaching He's telling Moses how to build the, temp, the tabernacle. And then they, what they're doing with all the furniture and the implements and, and all the items. These are all pictures of things that are very spiritual that would one day come in the New Testament for us. And they're articles and garments that the priest would have to put on which are symbolic for our season after the cross. Remember, in, in, uh, in the New Testament, we are all priests we're all kings and priests according to his word, and we'll show you how that breaks down. Exodus explains what priests who are, who are ministers of God were to wear. Now, as we show you these things, they're symbolic to very spiritual principles that we carry in our lives, and they did too. Exodus 28-2 says, Make sacred garments for your brother Aaron, to give him dignity and honor. The purpose is to give dignity and honor. And the presence of God would come upon their lives as they put these items on. You, you may think, well, that's the Old Testament, but in 1 Corinthians three, or sorry 10, Paul says there's, there's things of the Old Testament that point us, They're shadow types. They point us to spiritual truths that we need to know, we need to recognize in the Old Testament that help make us connect with the, our duties and our roles and spirit, his, his spirit upon our lives in the New Testament. And this, in seminary, it's called typology. So it's not only what, what, what it was in reality, but God also used it as a present type or picture for us now. So as we remain in him with his presence, with his presence upon us, he gives us dignity and honor. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mix the biblical order of this today, and I, I'm going to, worship team, I'm going to steal about eight more minutes, Okay. Because I need to get you to understand the anointing of God and, and that it brings increase. So you can cultivate this anointing. Dignity and honor means because of the presence of God on your life, you're going to have more ideas, more creati- creativity, and confidence. And it's not about you and your ability. It's a confidence that's in or knowing because I've heard the voice of God before, and I've saw him do it through me, and I've seen it do it, but see him do it before me. When he gives me intuition or insight, gives me vision, I know with full confidence that he's going to do it so I can walk in it, but I have to face every spiritual battle that goes on inside of me in order to get there because it's in the process that he's forming who I am and who I am in him so that I'll be able to, by, by character, uphold the things that he's about to do before me oh god's all about your character in exodus 28 36 and 37 it says make a plate of pure gold and engrave it on the, it, it as a seal holy to the lord fasten the blue cord to it and to attach it to the turban it is to be on the front of the turban it's almost like a plate on a trophy engraved holy to the lord my mind my eyes my ears holy to the lord Everything that comes through is filtered wholly to the Lord. So number one is the turban and the seal, because today I'm going to dress you head to toe. You ready to get dressed spiritually? <laughs> All right. So I must have the protection of holiness around my mind, because there is an onslaught of ungodliness. There is an onslaught of sensuality and evil, and I believe we have been desensitized by it. We've come to accept and welcome what distracts us and taints our spirit. And we even get mad when a message is pre- preached about it. That's when you know. Uh, Christians, uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, there's, there's some Christians, there's some, there's some very fleshly people, and there's a blend of world and Christian, and he calls it Christian concarni. He doesn't literally call it, call it, but it's Christians that are full of the world. And so a chili con carne, if you know chili con carne, it's like a chili with meat. A chili sauce with meat in it. But a Christian, which is flesh, would it be without the meat? It's almost like as we go into this 21 days of prayer and fasting, we not, might need to feed, we, uh, fast the meat of this world. Come on. I think Daniel did this as an example so that we can absorb and feed on the spiritual meat, which Paul writes to the Corinthians of the word and spirit. He says you should be eating solid food, but years later, you're still drinking milk. Maybe we need to fast the world's meat so that we can get some meat of the Spirit, something that's really going to fill us up. Just an encouragement as we start that next Sunday. But would you love to have more of God's presence on your life, more of the anointing? Would you love to be able to just rest knowing, man, my abilities and talents don't have to be that great. It's just his anointing, and he's going to do it. Wouldn't that take some pressure off of your life a little bit? More of the anointing. Then you're going to have to set up and keep a gate filter on what you let in. You're going to have to check what you allow to come through that door. I think 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 5 would say, take every thought captive and bring it to the obedience of Christ. It's something that we all have to grapple with so that we can make room for God. And you may be thinking, well, Pastor Nathan, what's the line? I don't know what your line is. But you have the Holy Spirit of God to teach you and draw you and bring you and draw you to that line and say, here's your line. I don't want you to cross it. Here's the plumb line for your life, the boundary over here, the boundary over there. And don't worry, when you step out of it, I'm gonna draw you in. I'm going to remind you who you really are. And I'm hoping that you will be sensitized to my voice instead of desensitized because of the things that are going in this world. And now I can lead you and guide you into all truth as you've been designed to be. Oh, Ephesians 4, 17 and 19 says, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Like, they're trying to serve God, but they still keep getting mixed up with this old way of thinking and doing life. And they keep struggling because they're not moving forward. Verse 18 they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Eventually, when the Holy Spirit speaks and you don't listen, your heart becomes hardened because you've got it all figured out. You don't need his voice. Yes, it's true. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they, have, they are full of of greed. Maybe it's time to reassess what I allow and what I sift out. And I wanted you to start grappling with this before the 21 days of prayer. This week, start praying through, Lord, what is it that I need to make room for you for? What do I need to work out of me so that you can add add, add something to me? And I guarantee you, whatever you cut out, it's going to make space for more of God, more of the anointing. So, what I starve dies, what I feed thrives. And in Exodus 28 29, uh, 28, 29, 30, whenever Aaron enters the holy place, he will bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart on the breast piece of decision as a continuing memorial before the Lord. So, there was a plate over his chest, and it had the names, of 12 tribes of Israel, over his chest. And all of his thoughts and decisions would be based for and from the 12 tribes of Israel. That means testimony, statutes, commandments, uh, future vision for what would be beneficial according to God's word and his will, his spoken word and will for the 12 tribes of Israel. Hear me on this. You have names on your heart from people in your past, life, and present The names on your heart are affecting how you see and live life right now. You are the sum total of all your relationships and how you perceive them to be, and that's good and bad. Hopefully, my name is on your heart in a good way. (laughs) Hopefully, Thrive is on your heart in a good way. Hopefully, there are people that you love, and they love you, and their names are on your heart in such a good way your spouse, your kids, your boss, but there's bad names too. There's people who hurt you. There's people who let you down. And those names are on your breastplate as well. And as you're making decisions going forward, it's confused and grayed and, and clouded with the people who have represent love and, and security, with those who represent insecurity, doubt, hurt, shame, guilt, And sometimes we get it blended. We start to put the response of the guilt, shout, doubt, hurt on the people who are actually loving me. (laughs) They care for me. They have a bigger plan than I have for me. And they see what God's doing in the midst of the storm. And so we treat these like these. I'm going to save some marriages today. Verse 30, thus Aaron will always bear the means of making decisions for the Israelites over his heart before the Lord. It's called the breastplate of decision. And I must have the right relationships over my heart. I'm telling you for 2023, you just make the decisions. I'm getting rid of relationships that don't benefit me. And I'm going to start embracing those that actually do. That doesn't mean you can't hang out with certain people because they need you to influence them towards Christ. They need you. But they need you to influence them more than they, you, they influence you. They need to speak into the things of God according to your life. And when they, they don't, you need to be able to discern and say, yep, that's not God. When it comes to this, forgiveness is the greatest principle you can live out. If you ever have lived or seen a human being in your, in your life, you're going to need to understand Forgiveness. At some point, the person that you love the most is going to hurt you, and that may not be on purpose. So forgiveness is not an optional; It's not an option. In the Lord's Prayer, there's seven elements that are an outline for the prayer. It says, forgive as we forgive other people. And then he continues, and then he says, let me give you some commentary, Matthew 6. Let's go back to that forgiveness piece in the Lord's Prayer that I talked about. I want to break that down for you because I don't think you got what I'm saying on this forgiveness thing. But then comes the commentary about it. And then this should be every day. God, I'm marked by the people in my life. Will you help filter out the things that have hurt me that maybe I misunderstood? Would you help filter out some of the the wounds, some of the distractions, some of the confusions that I have? Would you bring some clarity to me? Because I know you're for me and not against me. I know you're for them and not against them. Lord, will you bring some restoration, some redemption, some some uh, some uh, uh, reconciliation? Because something's not right in my heart, and you won't be able to make wise decisions while that's unreconciled. I had an imperfect. God, a, a dad, uh, who to me was one of the greatest coaches of my life. He led me, coached me with tears, through tears, into tears and through tears to be better at whatever it was that he was coaching me into. I have a second father, a stepfather who exemplified excellence, expected and excellence, and taught me excellence with everything that I do. I have, I've had pastors who saw things in me that I didn't see in myself, and they led me, pastored me, and coached me into things that I didn't know necessarily want to do, but I chose to do because I heard it as a word from God. And because of my yes towards God, I watched him bless me because of the steadfastness. All of these names are on my heart, and all of them include good and bad situations and circumstances, but all of them, God, as I filtered them through the Word of God, the presence of God, the the lens and the perspective of Christ, I have watched them all be a benefit for me, for His glory, and for the benefit of others. It's how you filter the issues and circumstances and situations, or you choose to live out of them that matters. So be careful, though, about that name thing. Ephesians 4:26 and 27 says, in your, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on it while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. And there are fewer things that affect the anointing than unforgiveness. You will not be able to minister to other people. You will not be able to move God and minister to God whenever you are walking and operating out of unforgiveness. Fact. You go to bed on that hurt, it's a pencil. When you wake up, it's a tattoo ink. And you're going to need to get redeeming tattoos to come help you out. <laughs> Ephesians 4.31 says this. Plug. 4.31 says this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God has forgiven you. Any room for malice? Any, any room for dissension? No. I'll never have to forgive other people more than God has forgiven me, though. And the more I remember that, the more I have to immediately, as a byproduct, I forgive. Lord, I bless and I release them back to you. I forgive, I bless and I release them back to you. I forgive, I bless. And I release them back to you. Proverbs six sixteen and 19 says this. There's six things the Lord hates. Oh, but there's seven. Remember that abomination word we talked about, about those who are ministering? Do you remember that? Oh, they can minister and do a lot of things, but they ain't moving God. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows bro- discord amongst the brethren. Unforgiveness is always going to, this is always going to flow out of unforgiveness. And so when someone is starting to sow discord amongst the brethren, they're lying or they're telling stories or gossip, you shut them down, Matthew 18. Have you gone and talked to them first, friend? You remind them, hey, did you know this is an abomination and the anointing of God won't be on you if you continue to sow discord? That's how you can help a brother out. That's how you can help a sister out. That's how you can help set someone free because this is not not about flesh and blood. This is powers and principalities, rulers and authorities. And if you don't see it that way, you'll take up someone's offense. You'll encourage somebody to stay offended. There'll be a, a whole big, nice border wall. James 4, 6 says this, but he, who, he gives, great, gives more grace, therefore it is God who opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Literally, you want to carry some pride, some obstinance against the word of God, then you are literally on offense and, de- they, and God is the defense. And defense wins games, people. <laughs> there will be no traction. You won't even get a one-yard game. God is opposing you in your pride. The forgiven people forgive. Exodus 28, 39 says, Weave the tunic of fine linen and make the turban of fine linen. Tunic is literally underwear. Like, weave it so it can breathe. So your underwear needs to breathe. Let me say this metaphorically. (laughs) The part of your body that nobody sees needs to air out a little bit. (laughs) The private world that you have needs to breathe. Uh, Invulnerability turns pain into toxicity. The more you hold on to things and the less vulnerable you become, the more it starts to turn into turmoil and the more that the enemy of your soul can speak into that turmoil and then it becomes toxicity because you have nobody with a standard to weigh that against that can bring you into the truth and then you start to spoil and spew that toxicity. Discord amongst the brethren. A lying tongue. Vulnerability is a blessing to you. The anointing. Flows when vulnerability with the right people who can actually help you through the situation that you're going through, you're vulnerable with them, the anointing can flow. Exodus 44, 17 and 18 says, When they enter the gates of the inner court, they are to wear linen clothes. They must not wear any woolen garment while ministering at the gates of the inner court or inside the temple. They are to wear linen turbans on their head and linen undergarments around their waist. They must not wear anything that makes them perspire. Did you know if you go into the presence of God with perspiration, you don't come out alive? If the priest entered into the most holy place, it's not about his works is what God was saying. It is not about what you do. It's about who I am and what I'm doing through you. Don't even sweat in my presence. Number three is the undergarment of linen. And there's an internal private part in your life that needs to breathe. It needs to not sweat. It needs to, to, to get a little air. There's a part of you that needs to stop doing and just be. That doesn't mean laziness, it just means that you don't have to effort it out, it just becomes natural because of the anointing on your life and the surrender of your heart and your mind and your will and your emotions, all of a sudden it's just flowing through you. It's just natural. Friday is my day to air out with what's, what's keeping me close to sweat. <laughs> what I'm what dealing with on the inside and the place where very few people can get to me. My wife takes the kids to school, she goes out to work out, no phones, and I'm just there airing out. Sometimes it's ugly. A lot of spiritual warfare going on when you try to rest. All the you should be's, you could be's, you ought to be, you need to do this, need to do that. It's not a day for tasks, it's not a day for errands, it's not a day to mow the yard. It's a day to be in the presence of the Lord without sweat. And it's a time to let your soul breathe a little bit. And if I don't let my soul breathe a little, bit, a little bit, the rest of my week suffers because I'm not operating with the anointing. And I don't have enough strength to do that weeks upon end, and we're not made for that. I must have a schedule, the schedule that produces rest in my soul. There's your principle. So your mind is right and your heart is right now, but I want to speak strongly to your soul. Yeah, you can come up. The more, uh, there's more drug and antidepressants uh, abuse in our generation than ever, and it escalated through 2020. But Isaiah says this in 30, 15, and 18. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says In repentance and rest is your salvation. Because remember, yes, we're saved, but we're still working out our salvation with fear and trembling. We talked about that a few weeks ago. In re- rep- repentance and rest. So there's some things that I got to repent for, and there's some things I just need a later rest, and there's some things that I just times where I just need to rest. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. He goes on and he's take, talking about, oh, you said you'll do this and you'll go after this, you'll flee with horses, and he says there will be somebody that rises up that's quicker, more swift than you. They will attack you, they'll come at you, and you'll have no defense, no strength, nothing to fight them off with. And then in Matthew 18, I'm sorry, verse 18, he says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. You get another chance to get back inside the plumb line of God. What's the line? I don't know, but he needs to tell you what your line is because it ain't out there where you've been living and hurting. It's over here where he can address your hurts because you're willing to be sensitive to his voice. And whenever he says something, you're willing to allow a heart change. And there's rest in your life so that you can actually make time. Workaholics of America we are. You're actually willing to make time for him to speak into your soul so that he can give you the anointing that he has and the solution and the healing of your emotions so that you can make wise decisions going forward. All the things you're working for, thinking that you have to do it on your own. You don't. Psalms 92, 1 and 2, literally a psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name almost high, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. Verse 10 of that same chapter, I have been anointed with fresh oil because of the Sabbath. The Sabbath, the rest, allowing what's inside to air out a little bit, cultivates the anointing. It's not just a church service. We come in, we worship, we, we receive a word from the Lord, we minister to others, we go home, we go to lunch, we take a long nap, and we don't start getting ready for the next week. Sunday is not a Sabbath day for me. It is a work day. Friday is a Sabbath day to me. And I can tell you, Lionel Richie was not a pastor. He says, it's easy like a Sunday morning, and it's not. <laughs> oh, It's not. Keep the Sabbath day holy, and look how He blesses you. Isaiah 58, 13 and 14 says, If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the, day, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and he and shall honor him, not doing your own things. Well, the Lord I just like doing this on my day of rest, not doing your own things, nor finding your own pleasure nor speaking your own words. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord and he will, I, he says, I will cause you to ride on the high heels of the earth, anointing, increase, favor, grace. All I gotta do is rest. And feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the only chapter in the Bible that ends like this. In Exodus 28, 31, he says, Make a robe and, of the ephod entirely of blue cloth. Exodus 28, 33 and 35 says, Make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn around the hem of the robe with gold bells between them. With, uh, the, bell, the gold bells with the pom- and the pomegranates are to alternate around the hem of the robe. Aaron must wear it when he ministers. The sound of the bells will be heard when he enters the holy place before the Lord and when he comes out. Now you're in your public life. You're forgiven. Set your mind free. You've you've worked it all. You've filtered some things out. Holy to the Lord. I'm forgiving everybody. I'm blessing them. I'm I'm releasing them to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Public life. Now I'm at the office. Now I'm on this platform. Uh, The the, the, uh, historian Josephus said that there were 72 bells on this road. I mean you're just clanging dang a lang a lang jang a lang jingle bell jingle bell It's like Christmas all the time. The robe of bells, purity of my mind, my heart, Sabbath, I'm rested. Woo! So I come out with joy. I must have an attitude of joy. In my spirit, let me just tell you in this spiritual journey we're in, the culture clash, the, we, we got to love them all, love the hell out of them, love them to Jesus. This morning I was getting ready about 5.30ish five, or something, 6. My son is a early riser, loves to be up with me and nonstop talking. He starts talking when he wakes up. I'm sitting there talking, and, 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 and if, if you think I'm crude, forgive me. Let me practice forgiveness today. He says, Daddy, because I got, I got him a skateboard for, for Christmas. Daddy, when I grow up, I'm going to be a big boy. I'm going to learn how to skate. I'm going to know how to skate, ride my skateboard and wipe my butt. You are going to be a big boy. And then he says, forgive me. He says, who am I going to be? I says, you're going to be a pastor. He says, no, I'm going to be Nathan James pastor. So yeah, you will. And then he says, are people going to like me? I said, probably not, buddy. But if they really love Jesus, they're not going to love you no matter what. And then he goes, oh, I know what. He said, I think they'll like me. I said, okay, we'll, we'll go with that one right there. I must have an attitude of joy in my spirit because you will never make it through without that. But you've got to have a holy filter. You've got to forgive. Ooh, you've got to forgive. Then you've got to bless and release. And then you've got to rest and let the undergarments breathe a little bit so you're not sweating into life, the business world. By the way, you're all in ministry. No matter what your profession is, you are called to ex- expand the kingdom and deliver the gospel. Is that good? Can we stand up? Because I want to pray for you. Happy New Year, everybody. Woo! So I want to pray for you to be anointing carriers and, and carriers of, anointed and carriers of God's presence. So if you will, just act like you're just receiving. Or if you don't, cross your arms. Whatever you want, it's your choice. It's your life. So, Lord, we just thank you so much for your anointing. Thank you that we are not stuck in any place. But you have everything that we need to get out of the ruts. You have everything that you need in your word and your presence to bring and increase the anointing. Father, thank you that all we, we, we just have a responsibility to apply your word in every situation and deny the acts of the flesh and the minds and the will of the emotions that are hurt and wounded and beaten. Father, we just thank you. We, we repent for wrong things of 2022 and we embrace your word and your spirit in 23. Lord, we place a filter over our minds and eyes. We've, we ask that you forgive us as we forgive and we want to want help rewriting the correct names on our hearts. Father, help us to understand this principle of Sabbath so that the anointing can be upon our lives and our families and Lord help us to keep it holy to keep it and do the more that you can help us do more in the sixth day than we can in the seven days and Lord we choose joy in our spirit to fulfill whatever you've called and destined us to in this life can I get a good amen amen thank you guys for your time